0: We're going to start out in the fourth chapter of Mark. I never know how to start, so I just start. I better get a clock of some sort. <laughs> I heard someone preach one time, says they never worry when people look at their watch. It's when they go. <laughs> Verse 35. Mark 4, Jesus said, On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side. And when they left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other boats or or ships were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose, he rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the great wind ceased, and there was a great and the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Tonight we're going to talk about something spiritual. We're going to talk about ships. Ships. Jesus was on a ship, and I wonder if the church is on the right ship, because there's a lot of ships, and I believe that the church, many of people in the church are on the wrong ship. You, know, you see, when this ship, when they boarded this ship, no one knew what was going to happen, but there were problems. When you say just like life, there are problems. We, we see in Matthew 7, rains descend, winds blow and beat upon the house A floods come and only the one that's on a rock stands. So we're going to talk about ships. And by the way, the, w- man has divided this up in chapters, but I will just say to you that uh, it started out in verse 35. Jesus said, let us cross over to the other side. Now we finished that chapter, but if you go to the first chapter, or the first verse of the next chapter in 5, what does it say? you looking at it? And they, they, then they came to the other side of the sea. Now, I'll just say this. When you're on the right ship, what Jesus said he would do, he would do. He said, let us pass over to the other side. And I will tell you that if Jesus said, let us pass over to the other side, We are going to the other side, no matter how many storms come. So tonight, let's look at some ships. The first one I want to talk about is fellowship. That's the first one. Because the church, just turn to Hebrews. Turn to uh, Hebrews 10. Most of you know this scripture. Fellowship is a powerful thing. Over the years, I was just telling uh, Alan, I I said, I watch people. I've been saved for 30 years now, and I watch people. And those who will not enter into fellowship do not make it. You listen to me. The, The enemy will be on your case. He'll tell you no one likes you. He'll tell you there's no love there. He'll He'll tell you all kinds of things, no matter where you're at. Listen, it says in Hebrews 10.25, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. No good ever comes from us staying home. Thank you, Brian. I agree with you. Amen. No good. I, uh, and we can have excuses. The, 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 if you, I, there's a song that says, if you're looking for an excuse, the devil will supply him. He'll give you all kinds of excuses. But I'm just telling you, I, I've been young and now I'm old. Er, In 58, I'm not ancient, but I'm not a young man anymore. And I ha- I've served the Lord for 30 years, and I will just tell you, I have taken notes, and I've noticed this. Those who forsake the assembling together, they don't make it. You'll see them. They'll, you'll see them in Kmart or Walmart six months later down the road, and they look different, and they are different. They'll have a reason. They'll have an excuse. But I'm telling you, when you hear that voice say, you know, what? it just be a good night to stay home. You say, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. You know what? When you come here, you'll hear the word of God. You can't say that everywhere else, but you, you will hear the word of God when you come here. Acts 2. Fellowship is powerful. as the Spirit gave them utterance. I'll just tell you this, that there are things that happen when we are assembled together that happens no other time. No other time. How in the world you, how are you going to duplicate this? Worthy is the Lamb. How can you tell someone that? And then just take it all, and you, you have to be here. You have to experience. There's something that happens. When we assemble together, you watch. The the marriages fall apart. The children fall apart. People go crazy when we quit coming and assembling together. It's predictable. I'm not trying to be un- calloused and uncaring. I'm just telling you it's predictable. Someone came this week and said, uh, You know, their marriage is just, it's a mess, and they're going to go their separate ways, it looks like. I wasn't there. I'd, I'd love to be in on a lot of counseling sessions, but for some reason, I don't get invited to all of them. I don't, I think they just forget me. But I just want to take them and shake them and say, what are you thinking? You quit coming. You quit coming. Well, I know, but we have this and we have that. You quit coming. No good becomes of you not coming and me not coming. Because I will tell you, this flesh just needs a little bit. You quit coming one week. You know what happens next week? As hard as it was to stay home the first week, by the second week, you, say, oh, I you know what, it, I'm, I'm really not feeling good. And by the week three comes, you're drinking again. It just happens. The The flesh just says... flesh doesn't want you here. Oh, we can't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Ecclesiastes 4. Verse 9 says, Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion but woe to him who is alone when he falls for he has no one to help him up again if two lie down together they will be warm and how can one be warm alone though one may be overpowered by another two can withstand him and a threefold cord is not quickly broken what about a bunch of us There are 59 of us grandchildren in my family. Of our children, there are over 160 great-grandchildren. It's, it's insane. It's, it's like I, I come from a Catholic background, and my family just lived up to it. That's all I can say. And, and for as messed up as most of them uh, are because they are they don't know the Lord and they they love uh they love to drink there's one thing they do right if you mess with one of them I'm telling you the church could learn from this right rather than because in my family all of us cousins most of us were raised up on the hill on the east End, and if if someone got in a fight, I'm telling you they lined up. If you if you whipped one, you you had to whip a whole bunch, and I wasn't one of the bad ones, but I got some bad cousins, and someone would start on me. I remind them, hey, you, you know Al's my cousin. He's my first cousin. It would change. He, he's bad. I got some bad cousins. They'll kill you. The church learns needs to learn something from that. We need to defend each other and not bite each other. That's what we need to do. So you mess with my brother, I'm going to show you, I'm going to pray. You're going to be in trouble. I'm going to pray. I'm going to intercede for him. Ephesians 4. Fellowship is powerful, my brothers and sisters. It's powerful. Verse 11, they say And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children, tossed to and fro, carried about, with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in him, grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effect of working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body, for the edifying of itself in love. That's a whole mouthful, but I'm telling you, the 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 crux of that is that we need each other. Every joint supplies. Every joint. I fell out of my tree stand a week before gun, gun season. Uh, I wish I could explain to you how it happened. I wasn't there. I, I just stepped around, and I put my second foot. on I have four tree stands, three or four tree stands out there, I stepped on this, and I hadn't been on it in two years. I stepped on it, and as I was rolling down the hill, I, I finally came to a stop about 15 feet later, and I thought, "What in the world just happened to me?" And uh, like that, and and I got up and before I, later. I, I just moved my extremities. I said, "Well, I, I can wiggle my toes. I can." I can move my fingers. I felt something on my face. Couldn't tell what it was. My hand hurt real bad. And I, as I got up, and I, I could walk, but I noticed my hip was clicking. I thought, that can't be good. That's probably not a good thing. I, so I clicked on down to the house. I had my, I, I fixed supper. When Marcia got home from school, I had my backyard. I was grilling out some deer steaks and, uh, she said, oh, how was your day? And I turned around, she goes, oh! I thought that ain't good. She said, what happened to you? I said, well, I, I fell out of deer stand. She said, are you okay? I said, no, I'm not. But my knee, my hip, and my ankle all hurt for, I, I bummed around for probably three weeks. And I thought, every, every joint supplies. Just just one, especially that hip joint. Man, with, with it, with it walking, with it out. I, if you watched me on the front row, I had to sit a lot of time. I couldn't stand on it. That's a picture of the body of Christ. One joint, and it throws the whole body out. You understand, we're to assemble together. There's things that happen. We're to be together. We're built together, raised up together, made to sit together, the word of God tells us. We can't forsake the assembly. Just one piece. I remember uh, Chaser we, we, By the way, we raised Chaser Alston. Just so you know, he he spent more time at our house than he did Teresa and Lenny's. Teresa's my sister. He's, he's our nephew. Uh, like Keith spent more time at their house than he did ours. And uh, so uh, Chase and Nathan would take off out to the woods, and they were going to do something. And and they would take it when they could get away with it. They would take my tools with them. And one day I went out to the uh, shop and I went to, I was going to mow grass and I I noticed that the mower looked funny. It was in pieces. My push mower was in pieces. I said, Nate, do you know anything about this mower? He said, well, yeah. He said, uh, Chase and I were working on it. I said, it wasn't broke. And now it is. Uh, put it back together. Well, I don't think we can. Just one, one part, one or two parts like, missing. What a picture of the body of Christ. When just one part is missing, it's a mess. It doesn't work right. It'll have a, a real miss in it. We're, listen, we're, we're made to be here together. We're, we cannot forsake assembling ourselves together. Fellowship is a powerful thing. It's powerful. Best thing you can do for your marriage is you get here. Get here. Worship God together. Fellowship with other couples. You know what happens when you fellowship with other couples? If you've been married any time at all, you know that everyone has problems. I don't care. If you think there's a couple in here that doesn't have marriage problems, you are on Mars. I don't care how sweet they look, how long they've been married. They have their differences. I was just telling Amber this morning, I said, I we were talking with her and Keith. I said, you know, marriage, I, I think is most of marriage is learning how to disagree. You can say amen to that. You, diff- your marriage is no different than ours. It's just learning how to disagree because most of us marry our opposites. Do we not? But listen, when we come together and we fellowship and we talk with others, we learn, hey, you know what? Every marriage does this. This is normal. This is normal to disagree. It's just how we disagree. But it's normal. Imagine if we were all the same. I mean, it would be all right if everyone was like me, but what about you? Psalm 34. Uh, If we'd both been like me, it would have been a short, short marriage. There would have been a funeral, at least one, maybe two. Verse 1 says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name. See that next word? There's powerful things happen when We worship together. We are to be together. There's stuff. I defy you. Marcia and I have probably had three disagreements in our almost 36 years of marriage. You know what you can't do? You stand here. You stand here together. You cannot be mad at someone you're worshiping with. You can't do it. I've tried. I have. I can hold a grudge. I try. But when you are when both worshiping God together, there's something that happens when we come together and we worship together. 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 I heard someone say, well, you know what? I, I, I don't need to come to church because I, I don't have any needs. I do. Get here. There are other people who have needs. If you don't come, how are you going to hear about Dave? Jane's got some needs. She's got some needs. What an honor it is to be able to help her if we can. That's what the body is all about. You don't hear that stuff if you don't come here. Oh, I'm telling you, church, don't, don't buy into it. Fellowship is one of the ships we need to be on. Now, we move from there to a real fun one. We're going to talk about stewardship. Stewardship. everybody said I didn't hear amen I think it was more oh me I I think it was oh me I really do because I didn't detect the slightest you preach it brother or nothing but you know what I'm going to anyway just cause Malachi 3 you knew we had to get there didn't you stewardship what are you doing with What God has given you. I'm just going to throw this out there. God showed me something a while back. On earth. Man's success. Is measured. By what he makes. It's true. A man. Say well was he successful. Don't ask anything about his family or anything. Well, what did what he make? How much has he got? But in heaven, success is measured by how much we've given, not by what we've made. That's it. our success will be noted by how much we gave back. In the church, we do that. We measure someone's success by what their material possessions. How you doing? Oh, look, they've done well for themselves. Have they? How much have they given back? that is how God measures success. In heaven, you're going to find this to be true. I like it when it's this quiet. Verse 8 says, Will a man rob God? Yet you've robbed me, but you say, In what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. God says, You are cursed with a curse. For you've robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes, into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations shall will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts, all from tithing. You can get mad at me if you want, I'm not the preacher. He's gone. I'm just one of us. But I'm telling you, this works. This works. If you're out there, and you say, especially if if you're a young couple, you might say, well, you, know, I, you don't know my situation. I can't tithe because we have this and we have that and we have small kids and been there, done that. People would look at us funny when we'd walk through the mall with four little stair steps. Four kids in five years and two months isn't exactly uh, family planning. But I'll tell you what we learned at a young age after I got saved, me, You tithe. You give it. And it, I will tell you, it never worked on paper. Never. Never. So, 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 some, please don't get mad at me, but I, I'm telling you, some of you are going through things right now that will never change until you tithe. Because the devourer is not getting rebuked, he just keeps eating everything. I heard Brian say one time, everybody ties. Oh, yeah. Everybody ties. They do. One way or another, your vehicle will go haywire on you. That washer will break. I, I That little Honda we got rid of, that thing had 282,000 miles on it. I, it's probably still running. I believe your tires will last longer. I know it. I know it to be true. You say, I can't afford to. You can't can't afford not to. We we cannot afford to because we have stored up treasures here on earth. This is where our treasure's at. Jesus said, don't lay up for yourself treasures on earth. What happens? What happens to a car you love? It'll rust. I promise you, it'll rust or it'll quit running. That, That thing that you have to have or that I have to have. I heard someone say the two happiest days in a man's life. is The first one is when he buys a boat. And the second one is when he sells it. Those things we have to have. Success is not measured by what we have. Success is measured by what we give in heaven. And I fear many people are going to go to heaven empty-handed. Spent their lives just coming and taking. Well, I don't have to tithe. I do this for the church. I do that for the church. I would hate to stand before God and tell Him I was the exception. And I'd be pretty afraid of that. Just do it by faith. The reason the church does not tithe is that the church loves stuff. Put them down. Put those things down. 1 Timothy 6. When things go haywire in your life, and they will. You've got to have something say, well, I know the devourer is getting rebuked. I've been saved for 30 years. And I've never known a couple that would tithe faithfully that ended up in divorce. That speaks to me. I'm telling you, I just take notes. I've never known a couple who would tithe, ending up divorced. I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake. I'm coming at you. I'm telling you, God's going to get us where it hurts tonight. But some of us are on the wrong ship. We are. We're trying to do this thing our way. Who had that song, I did it my way? God said, uh-huh. You're going to do it my way. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. First Timothy 6, verse 6 says, Now godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and are certain we can carry nothing out. And that preaches. And having food and clothing, we, with these we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich, not those who are rich, those who desire to be rich, Fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a a root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from their faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Just from wanting stuff. Just wanting it. The love of money is the root of all evil. That, that's why the lottery. If the church would quit playing the lottery and tithe, the building would be paid off. Is my mic working? Well, you need to tithe. This, this is part of stewardship. It's all God's. It's all God's. If If I had... If I had a hundred dollar bill, a stack of hundred dollar bills, and I said, what I'm going to do is, I just like everyone to come up here, I'm willing to give you a hundred dollars. Right now, if you'll just give me a ten back, you'd, you, would, you would punch out an old lady to get here. You would trim her. You would do anything you could to get here and make sure you were the first one in line. And yet God said, that's what I'll do. It's all mine. You give me back my ten, and I'll open the windows of heaven. I'll pour you out a blessing. There ain't room to contain I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake. I'll do that. God's. I will. I'll do that. And everyone's going to call you blessed. Mark 4. Hey, it's not always fun. It's it's not, but you know what? We have to listen to what the Word of God is telling us. It's the Word of God. I'm not giving you my opinion. I mean, there are some of you out there who know exactly what I'm talking about. You've You've got some testimony about the faithfulness of god from tithing you're out there mark 4 he he's telling the the story of the 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 seed in the sower. and verse 18 he says now these are the ones sown among thorns they're the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful isn't it amazing not having the stuff just want just want he said that that word that it says in isaiah 55:11 11 will not return void jesus said if you lust for stuff it will choke that word and it will become unfruitful in your life all part of stewardship i love it we brought nothing in this world we carry nothing out. I told you, I heard some a preacher say one time he'd never seen a hearse with a U-Haul behind it. No one takes it. You can't take it with you, no matter what it is. You cannot take it with you. Jesus said, "Store up treasures in heaven." Well, how's that done? You just pray and treasures there. That's all part of tithing, church. You're storing up, you're giving back to the kingdom. You're storing up treasures in heaven. Luke 6, verse 38, Jesus said, Give, it'll be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. Oh, but read the next part for with the same measure you use, it'll be measured back to you. So many people get in that spot where they need something. There's no reserve to draw from. They've stored everything they have. They've laid up their treasures on earth. There's no treasure in heaven. They've given nothing to the kingdom. And so when it's time to to need uh, to make a withdrawal, there's nothing there. Well, brother, I'd, I don't need that. I have great faith. If you had that great of faith, you'd be tithing. That's something you do by faith. You, you, but I'm telling you, we're not rich. And there are some months it still don't work on paper. But I'm telling you, it works. It works. Somehow. Look at this. It works. Last time I got on the scales, something uh, something spoke up and said, one at a time, please. We're not losing any weight. God will take care of us. He will take care of us. Just stay faithful to him. It's, the stewardship is a powerful thing. Man, wouldn't you love to know wherever you went, the devourer was getting rebuked? Oh, that's powerful. That's not to say things are are going to happen. Jesus said in the world, you shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. But isn't it nice to know you can put it to rest? Well, it's not because the devourer is not getting rebuked. Because if you're not tithing, you've got to ask yourself that every time something goes wrong. The devourers having free reign in my house. I told my kids, all our kids are married now. If I'd give them one word counsel for a great marriage, I'd say tithe. Just tithe. Tithe. Our young kids are not taught to tithe. 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 Give a tenth. Remember had a talk with someone one time and they just couldn't believe it. He said, you mean? If you had a hundred dollars, you'd give ten. I said, a tenth. A tenth. Said, oh, wait a minute. If you had a thousand, you'd give a hundred. I said, a tenth. It's still a tenth. No matter how much it is, a tenth is a tenth. What a good God. That's all. That's all He asks of us to give back, and He rebukes the devourer. Oh, what a deal. What a deal. What a great God we serve. He say, well, we're not under the law. You read the word of God. Who first tithed? Anyone know? Abraham. I believe if if my memory serves me right, I, I believe it was 400 years later came Moses with the law. You understand, tithing is not in the law. It's not in the law. But neither is driving 70 out here. Try it on the way home. <sighs> All right, I'm done with that. You can take a deep sigh. But I pray God deals with you on this thing of, of stewardship. Many of you are, are waiting for your ship to come in. I'm telling you, it's stewardship. You need to get on it. You do. Last one we're going to look at is worship. The other ship. There are many others. You know what? I made a list here. We need to be dealing with stewardship, fellowship, and worship instead of. Championship, sportsmanship, showmanship, marksmanship, censorship, friendships, craftsmanship, partnerships, citizenship, ownership, and relationships. Those are the ships the church is on. Worship. Both the boys were in the service. So proud of them. Served the country during a time of war. Both of them on ships. Actually, Keith reminds me, Dad, that's not a ship, that's a boat. The submarine is a boat. They call it a boat in there. Keith was under the sea. Nate was on top of the sea in Iraq on a carrier. They were on warships. Powerful. Remember one time uh, Keith called when he was in a submarine school? And Marsha asked him, said, honey, tell me some things about that sub. And he just told her. He started talking about nuclear capacity. And I just heard her say, that's all I want to know. I got on the phone and said, tell your mother Ask you things about that sub, you tell her what color it is. <laughs> tell her how good the food is. A mother can't handle nuclear capacity stuff. She, go, she, she can't go to sleep for a month. They were powerful. It was a warship, as as was Nate's. He said when one of those uh, F-18s or an F-117 would come in on that deck, he said everyone on that ship knew it when they would land or take off. Well, so we're talking about another warship. It's warship. This is a ship everyone needs to be on. It is so powerful. It's more powerful. Keith was on the USS Louisiana and Nate was on the USS George Washington. It's more powerful on either of those. Worship's one of the most powerful things a church can do. Worship God. Oh my gosh, you talk about something and it'll keep you afloat. Worship God. Brother, you don't know my situation. I don't even need to. We were made to worship God. Turn to Psalm 150. I love the book of Psalms. I live in Psalms and Proverbs. This is where I camp out. 90% of my reading, my studying comes from Psalms and Proverbs. Verse 1 in Psalm 150 says, Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty firmament. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with a lute and harp. Praise him with a timbrel and dance. Praise him with stringed instruments and flutes. Praise him with loud cymbals. Praise him with clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Worship him. Worship him. Psalm 29, I'm going to tell you what, man, I'm going to talk to the men because we're the, we're the thick headed ones. This is not worship. This is not worship. That is, this is hurry up and get done. I'm hungry. I'm not listening to you. I'm not entering in. This. this. is the men that are guilty. Most of the time. God can get, I think, a hundred women to worship for every one man he can. We're thick. Verse 1, Psalm 29 says, Give unto the Lord, O you mighty ones, Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory. Do His name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Worship Him. Just worship Him. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy of worship. You understand it's because of Him that our names are written in the book of life. He made a way He sent his son so he could spend eternity with him. I believe he's worthy of worship. You know, everybody worships just like everyone tithes. Everyone worships. Oh, yeah, we're made to worship. There's not a person on earth who doesn't worship. It's just that we worship the wrong stuff. Those who worship money don't tithe. Those who worship things. Things. I re- I remember that at Nova I had. There's there's still this inside of me. I'd still love to have that 70 Nova back that would light tires. It was so good looking. I'd still like to have it, man. I would. The lust for other things entering in choke the word. We're made to worship God. Psalm 95. I think most guys have the capability of having that car hook in their jaw. Are you? I, it, is it on? You you're no different than me. If you're my age, you you and you came through the muscle car era, you remember. I mean, everyone, everyone had, I, I've gone 140, 150 miles an hour in, in cars before and don't remember it a lot of time. But the mercy of God, listen, they made him to run. It's no wonder 28 boys I grew up with are dead. Alcohol and 450 horses don't miss. It, it just doesn't. Psalm 95, verse 1 Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with songs. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Have you ever wondered what, how things would change in here if we came before his presence with thanksgiving? I mean, I'm, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about me. I mean, I, I can come in here and my mind is going a mile a minute. I'm racing with thoughts of who knows what. I wonder what would happen if, the like the word of God says, I would enter his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise. I wonder, do you ever wonder what would happen? If everyone who hit that door would walk in and just say, Thank you, Lord. Now, brother, I'd be radical. I know, and we don't need that, do we? I mean, look, th- this is great what we have. It's working well, don't you think? Like on Facebook, dislike. It's not working well. It's not. It, I, I believe if we're going to have what God. Wants us to have, we're going to do it his way. Worship is a powerful thing. Verse three says, For the Lord is the great God and the great king above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth, the heights of the hills are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his lands form his hands formed the dry land. Oh come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. For he is our God. We are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. When was the last time you just knelt before the Lord and worshiped him? Just knelt before him and worshiped him. It's a ship you need to be on. Worship him. Worship God. Hebrews 13. Verse 15 says, therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. So, you know what? There's stuff that happens. There's stuff that happens. You come in, maybe sometimes you don't feel like worshiping. That's why it's called a sacrifice of praise. I'm I'm going to just because he's worthy. He's, he's worthy. He's worthy to be praised. He's worthy to worship. I don't care what your bills look like, what report you get from a doctor. He's worthy to be worshipped. He is. Look at the 2 Samuel 12. I love southern gospel music. I do. I do. I love it. And I love DC Talk. I just love all kinds of Christian music. But the uh, there's a song that I think the McCameys have. It's called God of the Mountain. The God of the Mountain is still God of the Valley. He's the same God. we got to praise Him in the good times. We got to praise him in the bad times. It's called a sacrifice of praise. If I never get my way, Job said, Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. He's worthy to be praised whether you and I praise him or not. And if we don't, said so the rocks will cry out. There's another song that says, I don't want no rock taking my place. He's worthy to be praised, church. 2 Samuel 12. Uh, David has just had his fling with Bathsheba and then he's confronted by the prophet Nathan after he put her husband to death. Faithful man. Verse 13 said, So David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan said to David, The Lord also has put away your sin, you shall not die. However, Because by this deed you have given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, the child also who is born to you shall surely die. Then Nathan departed to his house. And the Lord struck the child. Now You can do without what you want. I don't know how your theology is, but my Bible says the Lord struck the child. The Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife bore to David, and it became ill. David therefore pleaded with God for the child, and David fasted and went in and lay all night on the ground. So the elders of his house arose and went to him to raise him up from the ground, but he would not, nor did he eat food with them. Then on the seventh day it came to pass that the child died, and the servants of David were afraid to tell him that the child was dead. For they said, Indeed, while the child was alive, we spoke to him, and he wouldn't heed our voice. How can we tell him that the child is dead? He may do some harm. When David saw that his servants were whispering, David perceived that the child was dead. Therefore, David said to his servants, Is the child dead? And they said, He's dead. So David arose from the ground, washed and anointed himself, changed his clothes, and he went into the house of the Lord. He worshipped. This don't have anything to do with us getting our way. He went into the house of the Lord. And he worshipped. You heard this morning. No one gets out alive. (laughs) No one gets out alive. We all die. The question isn't. If you die. The question is. When will you die and where will you go? He's worthy of the worship. He's just worthy. I want to look at one more boat before we go. One more ship. Won't take long. I just want you to go to the book of Jonah Jonah, Micah, and Nahum. Remember the story of Jonah? Verse 1 says, And the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Nineveh. Oh, I don't think so. To Tarshish. To do what? From the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa, found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare, went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the lord oh my gosh this is a picture of the church god tells us to do something we go the opposite way if you look on the map over here if i'm standing right here in what would be the dead sea to my left is joppa right on the right on the mediterranean sea and then 600 miles away to the northwest is Nineveh. So he gets on, I don't know where he was at. If he was somewhere around Gath, he was to the, between the Dead Sea and Joppa. So he, if he got on a boat there and he went clear up the Mediterranean Sea and clear up into Tarsus, which was about 400 miles away, looks to me like on a map, that he paid the fare to get away from the presence of God. How many times do we pay when we try to get away from God? Through the nose, we pay. When we get on the wrong ship, we pay. He got on a ship, he went in. There was no ship required to go from where he was at in Gath up to Nineveh. No ship required. It's all land. Matter of fact, uh, it's mostly the Moabite Desert where he was going. So needless to say, there would not have been a ship required. But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea so that the ship was about to be broken up. Then the mariners were afraid, and every man cried out to his God and threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down into the lowest part of the ship, had laid down and was fast asleep, so the captain came to him and said, what do you mean, sleeper? Arise, call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us that we may not perish. And they said to one another, come, let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this trouble has come upon us. So they, they cast lots, and lots fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, please tell us for whose cause is this trouble upon us? What's your occupation We're Where do you come from? What's your country? And of what people are you? He said, I'm a Hebrew and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, Why have you done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may be calm for us? For the sea was growing more tempestuous. And he said to them, Pick me up. And throw me into the sea, then the sea will become calm for you, for I know that this great tempest is because of me. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to return to the land, but they could not, for the sea continued to grow more tempestuous against them. Therefore they cried out to the Lord and said, We pray, O Lord, please do not let us perish for this man's life, and do not charge us with innocent blood, for you, O Lord, has done as as it pleased you but I'm going to tell you what we're going to do. <laughs> so they picked up Jonah, threw him into the sea and the sea raged from its ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. I tell you what, when we get on the wrong ship, God will call shipwreck. And we read this story and we think of, I've heard preachers talk about how awful it must have been in the belly of that whale, all the stuff that whales eat. He was in there with them. But I want to tell you what, if God had not sent that whale, what would have happened to Jonah? he would have drowned. You understand, God said, he saved Jonah by sending a whale. So God will cause shipwreck in our lives if we're on the wrong ship. But he will send something. He will send, There will, he will make a way of escape for us. Because he loves us with an everlasting love. He loves us. His thoughts toward us are peace, not evil. If you are on the wrong ship, God will show you. Because the word of God tells me that his spirit, whom he has sent, guides us into all truth. So, if he said, look, there's an easy way to know whether or not you're, you're on the right ship or not. Jesus said, there's a path that leads to destruction. And it is It's wide. He said, and there's another way you can tell if you're on that path. It's going to be crowded. Because he said, many are going to be there at. But the path that leads to life, it has two things you can tell about it. God says, it's going to be easy to recognize it. It's going to be straight. And it's going to be narrow. Now, if you're on a ship, this ship you're on is wide. And allows you to do anything you want. You're on the wrong one. That ship is destruction. The road that leads to life is narrow. Jesus said I'll guide you into all truth. All truth. We can make ourselves. We can make messes for ourselves. If I can do it I know you can do it. We can get ourselves in some real pickles. God is so merciful. He said, look, get off that one and get on this one. I'll tell this story only because he's not here. I would tell if he was here, though. Ed Clifton and his brother came out to the house this summer. They both loved to fish. I said, brother, I got a place for you to fish. They got a pond, got nice sized bass in it. Uh, I said, I'll have the boat there for you. Everything. You, you you just come out. Just you you and John just enjoy the day. That was it was Sunday after church and so well it's right there. I said I showed him where everything was at, seats and everything. I put a trolling motor and a battery. I said, just enjoy yourself. Okay. So I went down to the shop but just I usually on Sundays, especially in summer, I'll just find a place and I'll just snooze. I was in the shop just getting ready to take it easy. out of the corner of my eye I saw Ed coming down the hill. He looked soaked. And he was. I said, brother, you have not been gone five minutes. What was, what was bad? He said, We he said Johnny was in the back of the boat and he and he he leaned over. I said, I'm not even sure how it happened, but he leaned over and we both ended up in the pond. And now your motor, your battery, his tackle box, his glasses, everything in the bottom of the pond. So, I got out there and swam around and I found most of the stuff. Got the battery, got the trolling motor, his fishing rods, Johnny's tackle box. Makes you wonder if they were on the right ship. It may not have been large enough to accommodate. I don't know. But look, I believe that when we are on the wrong ship, it's that obvious. When we start on the wrong ship, I think God will make it turn topsy-turvy on us. And we'll just have to sit back. Maybe we'll be soaking wet and say, what in the world is going on here? What's happening? And Maybe God will just have you walk through the ships in your life. Am I more concerned about championships than I am stewardship? Or fellowship or worship? What about discipleship? I don't know what sea you're on, and I don't know what ship you're in. I don't know what you're trusting in. But you come up, Rod. I hope I hope the Lord challenged you tonight. I do. Stewardship, fellowship, and worship. We'll work on those. Maybe next time there'll be more. I don't make light of it. Especially the stewardship thing. I will tell you that it, it, it can just be hard. Especially if you haven't been doing it. If Expect when you start all hell to break loose. Just expect it. Expect it. But With as much love as I can muster up as I'm looking at the word of God, this is how the devourer gets rebuked. This is how it's done. There's no shortcut. A tithe means a tenth. Give him a tithe. Don't forsake assembling together. Fellowship's powerful. I'm so glad when things go awry, we've got friends I can talk to. Fellowship is powerful. Oh, it's powerful. And in the midst of your trouble, whatever things are going on in your life, maybe you're confused, don't understand what God, what is happening. Look, here's your answer. I don't care what your problem is, this is your answer. I'm going to worship you. The Word of God says the Spirit, God is looking for those to worship Him in spirit and in truth. I think it's John 4, 24 says, God is the spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Just worship him. You get in Revelation clear at the 22nd chapter at the end. You know, John sees him and he sees all these marvelous things and he, he falls down at the angel's feet. And he says, hey, don't, don't be doing that. I'm, I'm like you. I'm just a brethren like you. He said, worship God. Worship God. Don't know where you're at. I leave the altars open to you. like everyone to stand. I will tell you one thing because I don't know everyone in here. If you don't know Christ, you haven't even got a ship.